Good morning, family. All right, I got good news and I have some bad news for you. The good news is I have notes, finally. I never have notes for you guys. So the bad news is I have no obligation to follow those notes. <laughs> we'll just see what happens. Hopefully I'll be somewhere close to it. All right, so this is the continuation on from, so David last week, spoke to us on um, us being temples, on the importance of all of creation, the land, um, this resurrection, this new life that we can live into. And so he actually came to me sometime uh, last year, and he was like, hey, I'm thinking about this idea about maybe doing some sermons, and I was thinking I would do the first two, and then if you could do the second two potentially, and I was like, oh, cool, what are we talking about. Um, and he was like, well, I was thinking if we talked about like heaven and earth, and then he's like, then I would talk about the kingdom of God. And then he's like, and then you can just make those two teachings applicable to everybody. And I was like, oh, oh, cool. That's, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's my job. So, so uh, we originally had David, he was going to do the first two, and then I was going to do the second two. But after last week, we were talking, and it felt like, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, this is, this is what, like, we're all in agreement. This is great. This is, this is the story of the Bible. This is what we're a part of, is this heaven and earth combining type of thing, this new resur- this resurrection, this new life. Uh, and so then the question is like, okay, so what's the mission of the church? What does that look like? And it didn't feel like we should wait. Uh, it seemed like, all right, let's just jump on this. Let's get on to what is the mission of the church? And then David will come back next week and hit on the next topic. So it's kind of this, how do we go about living into the mission of the church that, that Christ has set up for us? And I've got two quotes that, um, from N.T. Wright, who is one of the leading New Testament scholars, and his, his, the two quotes are, the mission of the church, the work to which we are called in our multiple various callings as Christians, so, so the mission that each one of us and corporately as a whole are called to, is held between the resurrection of Jesus on the one hand and the final new creation on the other hand. So the second quote is, when you work for justice and peace in God's world, you work based on God's past work in Christ with the anticipation of his future completion. So we have this, this started, it's not complete. We're waiting for this final thing to take place. And we live in that in-between time of the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is not yet. Um, So um, we can live into the resurrection, but there's going to be a fullness that takes place at the end of the age. Does that make sense? Everybody with me on that one? Okay. So before we get going into all of that, uh, I would like to stop and pray. And as I always ask uh, that you would pray with me, Pray for me and for yourselves so that you would have ears to hear, that I would have the words to speak, and that the Holy Spirit would be leading me in everything that I have to say. Father, I just thank you um, that your word is living and active, that you are alive, that you um, are worthy of everything, and that you call us to, to, to come and worship you, to come and give everything um, to you, and that you actually united us and brought us to be one in, in you and with you. Um, and everything that we do, we live and move and have our being through you, God. And I just thank you for that and I ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see uh, a greater revelation, uh, a newness, uh, something beyond what we have seen previously in your word, um, and, and just leave with a greater revelation of who you are, God, because um, that's, the, that's the goal. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 
when I started thinking, all right, what's the mission of the church? Like, I got excited. I was like, this is going to be great. Like, I can start talking about, like, these are the things that we, sh- we can do. These are the things that, like, let's go and do these kind of things, orphans and widows and, like, helping the poor and, and all of this. And then, like, as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, that's, that's great. Like, what we do is fantastic, but there's, there's actually a step back um, that we need to take. Um, and it's going, okay, so who... Who are we, and who are we created to be, and who are we united with? And if he, if Christ is who we're united with, if that that he is the one that we are, are united with, that was easy to get out. Wow. Okay. So if he's the one that we are united with, and we are his body, and we are the ones that are moving and and moving into creation, and it's his mission, that it's his church, then we need to know who he is, have a greater revelation of him, and have a greater revelation of who we are in him. So that's where it's like, great, I can talk about how, what do we do, how do we do it, but it, w- what we need to know is who he is. That's like, that's the foundational piece that everything comes back in line to. So a question it would be like, why does a grapevine produce grapes? Why does a blackberry bush produce blackberries? Why does a almond tree produce almonds? Because it is what it is, right? Like, I don't have to go and tell an almond tree to go produce almonds. It produces almonds. It's it, like the same thing with blackberries, same thing with whatever it is. Um, it's just the natural makeup of what it is. In Matthew twelve thirty three, Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So to produce good fruit it has to be a good tree. For us to produ- produce good fruit, we have to know who we are. And so we know that we've been grafted in, grafted into Christ, that we are the branches and he is the vine, so we've been grafted in. So we know that we are a part of a good tree, right? I mean, that, like, we got that. Like, so we're not, I'm not going, well, he's saying that I'm a bad tree, and so if I'm seeing this thing, no, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't be, this is not a condemnation, like, let's be looking at this. No, you are grafted in if you're a believer, and that means that we are grafted into a good tree, which means that we will be producing good fruit, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what comes out of our lives. So to know our mission, we have to know who he is. And I'm not just talking about him. I'm not just talking like his stories and his parables or um, even just the, the creedal understanding of going, um, yeah, I know that he was born of a Virgin Mary. I know that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. I know that he died and was buried. And on the third day he rose and ascended into heaven. Like, that's great. Like, we need to make sure we stay anchored on these kinds of points. But I'm saying we need to actually have a greater revelation of who Christ is. If that's who we are united with, if that's who we are, are, are lining our lives up with, if that's who we're becoming, then our revelation of Christ has to be higher. It's like we need to know why did he come? He came to seek and to save the lost, to serve, to give life, to, to, to bring freedom to every believer. So these are the things that were like, that's the mission that he had. That's the mission that he came for, that we would have a greater revelation of the Father through him. And so we are continuing on his mission with, our, with the realization that we've been united with him. We still, we still good on all this? Okay. So we have to know his will and who he, who he was, who he is, and who he will be. And so like that's the whole story of the Bible. Like Just keep getting into who he is, who he was, and who he will be. It doesn't change, 
but there's continual revelation that takes place through the scriptures that keep happening, keeps happening now, that we, ha- like we all need each other, that we're all unified as one body, that I need your revelation, you need mine, I need yours. Like we all need each other's revelation of who Christ is so that we can become more unified, more in line with who he is. <laughs> so the church cannot complete the mission of Christ without a vibrant, intimate relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It just won't happen. Like, it's impossible for us to complete our mission without a vibrant, active, living relationship intimately involved with who he is. And we can, like, that's what everything keeps coming back to. Like, whatever topic you want to talk about, it comes back to what does your vibrant relationship look like? Is it not vibrant? Is it vibrant? Is it intimate? Is it not intimate? It has to be vibrant. It has to be intimate. It has to be these things. Like, and it's not that, oh, I'm going to work it up. I'm going to try to make it vibrant. I'm going to try to make it intimate. No, it's you fall in love with who Christ is. You fall in love with who he, what he has not just done for you, but who he's making you to be. And it's spending that time with that person of, who, of Christ that that relationship will come in line. So it's not like, okay, Stephen's saying, I've got to go make this a vibrant, active, living, super intimate relationship. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying spend that time with him. And if you get to know him, if you're, if you're taking that time to get to know him, you're going to be amazed at who he is. Because he's the most incomprehensible person that you've ever met. And it's impossible for you to spend time with him and not become closer and more intimate. It's like, it's, you can't do it. He's not just an average Joe person. So new creation can't come through us without us being aligned to and unified with him. So when the Bible says that we are his body, we are united with him, that we are one with him. In him, we live and move and have our being. The unification of us with Christ, that we need a greater revelation of that. Like, that's what we need a greater revelation of. We need to have a greater revelation of who he is, and that comes through that relationship. I don't care what other thing you want to do, back it up to the relationship with Christ, spend that time with him, and get that, intim- get that relationship in line where it needs to be. And to know who we are called to be, to be that tree that's producing good fruit, I don't have to force anything. It's the fruit of the Spirit that works through me. So we need a greater revelation of who he is and who we are through him. I mean, this is the same thing that Paul in Philippians 3 is like, why he's like, that I might know the power of him in his resurrection. Like, I, this is Paul. He just got done in that same section just before that going, hey, if anybody could boast about being awesome about anything, it's me. Like, I'm just pretty great. But he's like, that I might know the power of his resurrection. It's like, Paul, don't you, you were the one that was taken up to the third heavens. Like, you were the one who saw things the angels see. And you're like, that I might know. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection. That I just might know him a little bit more. That I might have a greater revelation of who he is. And that's Paul. And I think we would all be like, yeah, Paul had a pretty good revelation. At least decently so. And I would probably take a lot of things that he says as scripture. I don't know. That was supposed to be funny. (laughs) And... So like we, re- we realize that he, like, he has this revelation that is beyond probably what any of us have. 
And he's like, that I might know more of him. And he's like, not that I've already obtained it, that this is, I'm not perfect in this, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Like, that's the thing. He's, Christ has already made us his own. I want to make him my own. I want to reach, I want to grasp and, and, and become closer with him, have a greater revelation of who he is. Paul in, in Ephesians, he's like, that, that, you, that you would have your eyes open and a greater, greater understanding and a greater revelation of who Christ is in you. And then in Ephesians 3, he's like, that you, you'd walk in the fullness of who he is, basically. That you'd have a great, the greatness of who he is and walk in that fullness. And you can, you can say to me that, um, that maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe I'm emphasizing our unification with Christ a little bit too strongly, um, and that maybe we can do some of these works apart from, our, apart from him because we see non-Christians building hospitals or doing things. or Like, there are good works that people are doing. I mean, wouldn't we agree that we see people do things that we're like, yeah, that was actually, like, that was nice of you to help that person. You did that, you built that, you, you, you manufactured something that was great. So you could be like, well, we maybe don't need to be so, like, get so caught up in the unification. Like, you, you can do some pretty great things. Um, and then I would take you to Matthew 7. And Jesus has some people come to him. And they're like, hey, we were casting out demons. And we were prophesying. And he's like, okay, that's great. But I never knew you. Like, I never had that relationship with you. There was not that intimacy. There was not that, like, you were producing fruit, but it wasn't fruit for me. Like, it wasn't from that intimate, uh, unifying nature that, that took place. So no, you're not a part of me. So if we actually want to be producing his fruit, if we want to have his work flowing out of us, if we want to be um, having that kind of, the fruit of the Spirit flowing out and actually on mission for what he has for us, we need to back it up to that relationship and our unification with him. This is why it's so important that we know who we are in him, by him, with him, and through him. So open with me to uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 23. All right, chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Whoa, okay, that's pretty awesome. Let's just get that out of the way. Blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places for us. Even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So he adopted us. Like, these are things that we need to get our head around and maybe not even get our head fully around, but like, get to a point that we are so in awe of the fact that like, he predestined us. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Like, this is, this is crazy. Like, that he, that the God of the universe is giving these things to us through his son. That we need to be like, whoa, this is incredible. This is awe-empowering. Like, this is, this is amazing that 
that he is doing these things for us, that he is uniting us to him and giving us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, that he is adopting us, human beings, adopting by, the, by God himself. We are, we are being adopted to God. I mean, that, like, that should blow our circuits. So he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood the, and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I feel like if you keep reading with, with Paul, like he just, he can't get over what he got. He can't get over the grace that was given to him. He's like, the unsurpassable understanding of the riches of, I, I can't get enough words. I don't have enough words to, to tell you. Like, I just, I'm just overwhelmed by everything that, that he has done for me. I, I want you to know. I want you to have a little glimmer, a little glimpse of what this is, that you would see with the things that I've seen. So I'm writing you this letter so that you would know that you have every spiritual gift in heavenly places, that you have been adopted, that you have the redemption as sons. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Oh, that would be great if we knew the mystery of his will. Oh, well, we do. That's great. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That, that one right there in, in verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Like, I think it would be cool to obtain an inheritance from an earthly person. Do you see where I'm going with this? It would be cool to get an inheritance from an earthly person. We have an inheritance from heaven, from heaven itself, from God himself. It's not anything like what we're thinking. It's beyond our comprehension. We need a greater revelation of who he is and who we are in him. That's how our mission gets taking place because it's his mission. It's not our mission. It's him working through us. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. This is all for his glory. Everything that's going on here, everything that he's giving us isn't to make us look this awesome. It's to make us bring more glory back to him because he's the only one that's ever been found worthy. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And then Paul goes on with his prayer in this next part. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, for this reason. So everything that we just read there, all of these things that are ours because of him, he's like, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and in your love towards all, all saints, I do not cease to give thanks to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Like that's the things that we should be asking for. That this is like what we just read in the beginning of chapter one. He's like that you might have the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Like that's what I want more of. 
Like, that's what I want to know is more of who he is. I want to know all of these things. Give me more wisdom. Give me more revelation into who you are because all of those things are him. That's how, that's how they are obtained. It's through him. <laughs> Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That we would actually realize that that actually is, that it's his inheritance in us. Like a, a lot of times we'll be like, oh, like the earlier one is our inheritance that we have through him. But this one is like, what are the riches of, of his glorious inheritance in, in us? That, that he is so captured by who we are, that we are his inheritance and he loves it. Like he's doubling down. Enough that he gives himself for us, that he can bring us all in and have from every tribe, nation, and tongue. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he who worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and over every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's, he's put everything under his feet. He sits on thrones that no one else can sit on. And he has put us and changed us and reunited us that he is the head of the church, his body, the fullness of him. So it's, we are his body working into creation and everything that we're doing. And it's like, all right, yeah, like, do we get it? Do we realize that this is the most important thing, that we have this greater revelation, that we have an understanding of who he is and who we are in him? If you move forward to uh, Ephesians three sixteen through 21, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. So he, like, we're praying that he would give us strength to, to be walking out in power through his spirit in the inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge of uh, knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That we would be filled with the fullness of the fullness of God. Again, crazy. Like, we need a greater revelation of who he is and who we are in him. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. So like, he's able to do more than we can ask or think. Again, do we need a limit? Do we need to have this limit that we put on, well, I can only go this far, I know him this well. I know his stories. I know a little bit about him. It's like, no, more than you can ask or think or imagine are the things that he has in store for us. These are the things that like we are coming in line with, that there is no boundary. There is no end to his grace. There is no end to his goodness. There is no end to the inheritance that he has for us. So there's no end to the revelation that we could possibly get. So then we move on to Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Now this I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Well, of course not. That would be silly. Didn't we, did, did we, do I need, let me go back to, Gen, or to let me go back to Genesis 1. That's where I always go. Uh, let me go back to Ephesians 1. Did we get all that? That's why he's going in, in 
chapter 4, verse 17, now, now I testify to you that, that in the name of the Lord that you may no longer walk in the, as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. That would be ridiculous. Why would we? We have a great inheritance. We've been adopted. We've been redeemed. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. No, that is not. Like, did we just listen to everything? That's not how we learned Christ. We learned the freedom that he brings. We learned that he comes to seek and to save the lost. That he came to serve. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. So put off the old self. It, it belongs to the old self. It, it, it's not even a part of who you are. You're a new creation. We're, we've entered into the resurrection that he's already brought into us. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Like put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness being renewed in the spirit of our minds. Think on these things, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is all of these things. When we get our thinking aligned with truth, then we walk forward in the life that he's called us to. And he is the truth. So he's the answer to all of these things. I just don't feel like I have words to be able to get out what is what we need in this. That there, that there is such a revelation that we need to live into that we just don't even get close to. We we have we've we've capped a ceiling that we we just like yeah that looks pretty good. I like that popcorn ceiling from the eighties or whenever that was. Like no like no like what like burst it open like live out in the in in the full of creation where there is no ceiling where there is only new things that are happening, that we can see the sun rise, that we can see it set, we can see the stars, we can see the, the smallest things down into the creeks and everything, that, like, that realize that what we see in all of creation, that it all speaks back to who he is. Amen. So when we see these things, let those things bring revelation of who he is in us. <laughs> and when we get the revelation, we have a responsibility to walk in obedience of what is revealed to us. If he's revealed it, that's what we're supposed to walk in. That's, that's part of his revelation. It's not just to get a revelation. Cool. It's no, now I have a revelation. Now I'm obligated by obedience to actually walk into what he has called me to, into. Like he's given me this revelation for me to steward it for you to steward it, for you to then teach me what you've learned through him. So then one of the questions would be, how do we kind of tangibly live some of this out? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't want us to miss some of the other practical aspects of this, um, but I don't want us to over, like, understep the the importance of this revelation. And I, want, I, I, don't, I, I don't want to answer all these questions for you guys. I want you guys to then take this, go back, read the book of Ephesians, read the book of Romans, read whatever you want to in the Bible, it's great. Um, and 
go, God, just speak to me. Just speak to me. Give me new revelations of who you are. Spend that time with him. All right, this is one of the sections that David touched on last week. It's Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, and I have it um, in your notes all wrong. I put an extra four at the end of it. Oh, it just means repeat it? Okay, I'll do that when I'm done. Okay, so this is Jeremiah uh, prophesying to the people while they are in exile. So they're in a place that they don't want to be. That's not their choice. They didn't, well, it was their choice, kind of. Um, But it's not where they want to be. It's not the place that was their supposed to be home. It wasn't their promised land. So they're there, and the word of the Lord comes and tells them, this is how you're supposed to live in a place that isn't fully what you want it to be, which I think would be applicable to us. There's something of, this is our home, and this isn't our home yet. So when we see them in exile, and this is what's spoken to them, I think there's something that we can get out of this at the same time. So thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. You will find welfare. You will find your welfare. So it's this whole, I mean, that's the same basic thing that was given to Adam and Eve be fruitful, multiply, have dominion over these things, build these things, pull out the potential in. It's the same thing that was given to Noah. It's the same thing that was given to Abraham. Be a blessing to the people around you. I mean, that's what it's saying. Like, pray for the welfare of the city so that you might have welfare in it as well. Like, we're supposed to be so building up whatever we're a part of, whatever this political system, structure, business that we're a part of, we're building that thing up we're not pulling ourselves away from. We're building up what it is. To, but what we have to realize is the same thing with Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were building up. They were, they were fully in line. Like they were part of the leadership of Babylon. And we, if we read about Babylon through the whole Bible, not a great thing. It's actually used as, remember Babylon? That was a terrible place. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, they are in this place that the Bible the rest of the time says is terrible. It, it's, a, it's a foreshadowing of things to come of the end of the age going, yeah, we're going to use the word Babylon because it was so terrible that that's what we're going to use. But, the, but in the time that they were there, they were helping build that, that political structure of that day. So you've got Daniel, uh, Daniel and he's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, helping build the, the, uh, his role as leadership. And they're told they can't pray. And he's like, yeah, well, I can't compromise on that one. Like, I'm still going to pray. Like, that, I'm praying to my God, not to your God. So that's part of what that looks like for us to live as exiles, for part of us to live in this way. This isn't our home, but we can fully engage in everything that we can, but we can't compromise on the things that God has told us not to. Same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's going, hey, we're going to do everything we can to help build this system. But when they come and say, hey, you have to bow down to somebody else. No, that's not happening. 
I'm not giving up my allegiance to someone else. It's that he's the only one that's found worthy. I, I realize that I'm so caught up with who he is, that I'm so in line with him. It's when Paul is going, hey, do these things and don't do these things. Do these things and don't do these things. Why would you do this? But do this. It's like we might get this concept that this is like laws and, and, and regulations and legalism that we need to like abide by. And like, well, I'm supposed to do this. I'm going to try to do this. I'm not supposed to do this. I'm going to try not to do that. It's like, no, these are completely free. It's like if you're a tree, you're doing the things that you're supposed to, you're producing the fruit you're supposed to. It's not going, oh, it's going to be so hard not to do that one. Like, oh, if we, if we think that, we have to go, I got to get a bit greater revelation of who he is because apparently that's too big for me. And I don't, I don't realize that he's greater than that thing. So this whole idea of living as exiles in Jeremiah is, is then echoed in 1 Peter. Peter writes basically a very similar thing um, in 1 Peter 2, 11 through 17. He says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. Who is he writing this to? He's writing it to people who are actually in their homeland. So he's, he's calling them sojourners and exiles, and they're not. In the end, he, at the end of, the, of 1 Peter, he goes, Hey, by the way, the people from Babylon say hi. Babylon's been gone for a really long time. The Persians came in, the Romans came in. Babylon's not a thing. So he's going, hey, remember what it was like when, when people lived in exile? That's what I'm calling you to, like, this is, this is the thing. You're, you're actually in an exile currently. Like, you're living in this place that's not quite home, but you're, you're part of making it. You're part of living into this new creation that the mission of Christ would come through you into everything that's going on here. So keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So when they speak against you as evildoers, they, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject to the Lord's sake, to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors set by, uh, sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that you, by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as, as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Wow, like, things that, like, honor the emperor? Like, I get the whole, uh, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, but honor the emperor? Like, that's what Peter decided we should put in there? And it's the same thing that Jeremiah's like, hey, pray for the welfare of the city. Pray for the, the political leaders. Be involved in all of these things. Like, there isn't a, a certain amount of things that we're supposed to do. It's, it's the call of Abraham. Be a blessing to everyone. And so we don't get just caught up in just the quote-unquote big things. It's whatever you do. It's whatever you've done for the least of these, my brothers, you've done for me, right? A cup of cold water, a jacket, a hand to help somebody up, a smile. It might feel like it's here today and gone tomorrow, but it's the work of the kingdom. It still bears the full weight of the kingdom message. It's not that there's this, this hierarchy of, of sacred versus spiritual, or uh, sacred versus secular, spiritual versus the daily tasks, heavenly versus earthly. No, like all of these things are all kingdom things. They're all the things that, that are the spirit coming out of into the world through us. So what's, what's more spiritual? Prophesying on Sunday or helping your neighbors shovel their driveway on a different day? Going overseas to do missions or being a faithful worker at your job? Visiting someone in the hospital or day in and day out, wiping dirty hands and messy faces, sweeping floors and cleaning sinks? 
writing Christian books or working in politics. No, like we've missed it if we try to pit these things against each other. It's not which one is more spiritual. It's like, no, our lives are just called to be a blessing, whatever that might be. If we're here on Sunday morning and we have a, I have a prophetic word, let me bring it. If it snowed, let me go shovel. If I'm working, let me work for the people that I'm working for. Let me pr- like produce the best that I can. Do everything that you do for the glory of God. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Every area, whether you're a carpenter, a teacher, a mom, it doesn't matter whatever it is. Do everything, whatever you do, whatever you do. Do it heartily as unto the Lord. Be a blessing to all people in everything that you do. There's supposed to be this life that just comes and flows out of us. I mean, we, Jesus stands up on the last day of the one feast and, and he's like, hey, out of, your, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. What's he referencing? Ezekiel's vision of the temple. Like, remember David talked about that we're all temples individually. We're all temples corporately. So Jesus is referencing, because if you actually read it, it says uh, something like, um, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. This he said in regard to the Holy Spirit. Um, but in, in it, he also sa- it says something like, as the scriptures have said. And if you look in the side margin, it's like, we don't know. It was never actually fully quoted like that before. Um, so like, there isn't an exact backtrack into um, the Old Testament that goes, yes, this is actually what he's quoting. But if you get the picture that we are temples and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, it's this picture of Ezekiel of this temple, and it's just like this trickle starts to come out from it, and it goes into the creation, and it starts to get deeper and wider and deeper and wider and deeper and wider, and where does it flow into? The Dead Sea, the saltiest thing, the deadest, the Dead Sea, come on, it's the deadest thing you could possibly have, and how often do we, in our lives, go into places, and it's like, this is the deadest place I could possibly find. Well, it's a good thing you're a temple, and it's a good thing that rivers of living water will be going to flow out of you, because what happens in that vision is the water, the streams flow into that Dead Sea and every, that, that salt is, is cleansed out, it's washed away and you have new things f- growing up. You've got fish and everything. Like It just becomes this, an oasis of this beauty, of this whole concept of, of uh, in Isaiah 55, it, it has at the end of it, um, like you're gonna go out with joy. Um, the trees will clap their hands and uh, where the briar was, now a new tree is going to, where the, where, the, uh, where the thorns were, new things are going to come up. It's this, whoa, like this is a, it's, it's a reverse of the curse. It's us bringing life into things that were dead, that, that, that were cursed, but now is new. That we have a new life that we're bringing because we have the spirit of God flowing out of us. It's the, it's the spirit of Christ that raised, it, that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. And I don't think we get that. I don't think we understand. It's like, okay, cool. All right. So the spirit of God, the raised Christ from the dead, he lives in me. Awesome. That sounds good. I like that one. What? The spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. What is, like, there was a dead body, Jesus. The spirit of God came in. Life. That spirit Let me do that again. There was a dead body. The spirit came. Life. That spirit lives in you and me. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) Come on. 
there was a dead body. The spirit came and life happened. I'm no longer talking about Christ. I'm talking about you and me. There was a dead body. The spirit came and there was life. Yeah, awesome. That's what comes out of us. It's the, his streams of living water. It's his spirit that flows out. There is no law against the fruit of the spirit. Gentleness, peace, joy, all of these things, there is no law. These are the things that come out of us into creation that brings life. Where the thorn was, no longer, we're bringing new trees. Where it was salty and dead, no longer, we're bringing fresh streams of living water into these places. It's this transformation, it's this newness, it's this hope, it's this joy, it's life. Like real life, like actual life. Now I'm just talk, talking like every day, yes, I wake up, I'm alive. No, I'm talking the lifeliest life of life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, very alive. So the mission of the church isn't just to do things to be something to be someone to become more and more like Christ himself it's not just to see a need and to fill it in our own strength it's to walk by the spirit to walk in the fullness as Paul said of who he is we don't need more believers who want Christ as part of their life we need more believers who want to be fully in Christ's life. Do you catch the difference on that one? We don't need more believers who want, you know, Christ to join up. Hey, come on with me. I'm going someplace. No, no, no. Let's reverse that. It's called repentance when you turn. He's not going with me. I'm going with him. I want to be so in line with his life that that's where my life comes from. To be so built up in faith that there is no doubt to be so filled with hope that there isn't sorrow, to know his love so fully that there isn't fear. That all the wisdom, logic, savviness, the most amazing things that we can think of can't explain how we live. It just doesn't make sense. Like if I were to look at somebody who's living, I could be like, yeah, that makes sense. They did a lot of good things. They made a lot of good decisions. That's why it happened. You look at Christians, it shouldn't be that way. It should be like, they are blowing it. What are they doing? Like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Like, and somehow God is still moving and, and active and living. And it's beyond comprehension. It's beyond logic. It's beyond my savviness and my creativity and my ability to come up with something awesome. Because I can't do it. It has to be his life flowing out of me. Our lives are to champion forth things. We're to champion forth joy. Not just from something like, oh, I got this, so now I have a joy. It's, it, joy has been made so full in me that I've championed forth joy into all of creation. Championing forth love. Not just like in and of ourselves that, that I've got this and I've, I've worked up, I, I can, I've got this certain amount of love that I can give out to this person. No, it's, it's his love that flows through us. We love because he first loved us. That's where that love that we champion forth comes from, is from him. 
we're champion forth peace, and not just like peace for like, I've got peace for this moment, I feel pretty good, I feel like I, everything's under control. It's like, no, peace that surpasses all understanding at all times, every time, every time, every time, always. Some really good peace. <laughs> we are a peculiar people. Doesn't it sound like it? We're to be a blessing to everyone around us. Bring hope to the hopeless, grace and forgiveness and life into dead places. We're called to be the salt and to the light. Bring these things, like this, this is the life that we bring, that we, we create things wherever we go. But if we get our eyes more on our works than we do on being his body, we've entirely missed it. If we get our eyes set more on goals and strategies and checklists than his heart for all of creation, again, we've missed it. If we get our eyes more on reaching our potential than becoming more like him, we've missed it completely. then we've missed the entire point of who he is and what he's calling us to do in line with who he is and who we are in him. We've missed that everything we do is done by, with, in, for, and through him. It's his spirit that works in us when we try to make methods and strategies, then we miss what walking by the Spirit actually means, and we circumvent the life that he has actually given us. So when we come up with these strategies and these checklists, and hey, we're going to make this goal and go and accomplish these things in our own strength, we're missing what it means to walk by the Spirit. And by so doing, if we're not walking by the Spirit, we are circumventing that life. There was a dead body, and the Spirit came, and life came. Who wants another choice? Like, isn't life the greatest thing? Like, that, that's our choice, that I want to walk by the Spirit because it's the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in me, creating life in me so I can have life come through me. If I'm choosing not to walk by the Spirit, I'm circumventing the life that he's actually given me, and I'm choosing to walk in my own power and my own strength. That doesn't sound good to me. We need a greater revelation of who he is and who we are in him for us to have the mission of Christ come through us. I can't give you a checklist. I can't tell you, hey, go do these things because it's going to look different for each and every single person because your sphere of influence is different than mine. I can tell you how to do this, how to do that, but if I don't have you in line with who Christ is, I'm missing it. I'm missing my job to tell you what that looks like so let's take that time, whenever we spend that time with Christ, go, hey, this is my heart that I would know you more, that I would have a greater understanding of your heart for me, that I would walk more in line with who you are and who you created me to be. Show me who I am in you. Mercy Me has um, a relatively new song called Grace Got You, and the lyrics have, have got me. Uh, they're, pretty, they're pretty good. So he says, have you ever met those who keep humming when the song's through 
It's like they're living life to a whole different tune. Come on, that's us. Like, they're humming when the song's through. It's like they're living life to a whole different tune. Have you ever met those who keep hoping when it's hopeless? It's like they figured out what the rest haven't yet. Christ, that's, that's where the hope comes from, is that they have a greater revelation, is that, that they can keep humming when the song's through because they know this is all different. It's a completely, it's a superior reality to the one that we're currently living into. <laughs> the second you realize what you have inside, it's only just a matter of time till you sing to the back row who hears you so the back row hears you glide, because walking, it just won't do. Dance, you don't have to know. Ever since, ever since grace got you, laugh till your sides are hurting. Smile like you just got away with something. Why? Because you did. You did get away with something ever since grace got you. So when you're standing in the rain again, you might as well be dancing. Why? Because there ain't no storm that can change how this ends. When you're standing in the rain again, you might as well be dancing because you're living into something so different, so much more alive, so much more than anything that any person ever lives into apart from Christ. You might as well be dancing because you're in something that's different. It's bringing more glory to Christ. It's bringing more glory to who he is, and it's lining me up to walk more in a revelation of who he is. (laughs) So the next time when you're feeling blue, don't let that smile leave you. Why? Because you have every reason just to sing so that the back row hears you. Glide, because walking just won't do. Dance, you don't have to know how to. Ever since, ever since grace got you. Laugh till your sides are hurting. Smile like you just got away with something. Why? Because you just got away with something. Ever since, ever since grace got you that we would know that, like that, we, that our lives would be so in line with that, that why are we able to do these things? Because we have a different life. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like that's what this is all about, is we have a new life. It's this new resurrection life that we are entering into. So if I want to know how to have the mission of Christ, let me walk in him. Let me walk by his spirit, by the power of his spirit in me, that I might know him more. So that's our life. So that's, that's it. That's what, that's what I want us to get from this is we need to know him. We have to know who he is. All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you again just for who you are and that you have united us with you, that you have given us your spirit. Um, and it's not just that your spirit is here with us, it is in us and that it is life and it is, it is empowering us and it is creating new things in us. And from our relationship with you, this intimacy with you, that your spirit flows in and through and out of us and is all to your glory, that you're the only one that's ever been found worthy to, 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 to be the one that's worshipped for all time. And that we would just continue to walk in a closer relationship, in a closer understanding, and a, a greater revelation of who you are and what you've done for us, God. Um, that, that we wouldn't stop, that you would give us that grace to walk more and more intimately with you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.